Welcome to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's Body Life Pastor Terrence Ford. As a word from the Lord today, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. Those of you who are turning in, Pastor says we mash on our phones south, right? Mashing the buttons on your phone have a Bible, we bring it to you via screen. Amen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, starting at verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they troubled, saying, it is a ghost. Which Paul's, I want to tell you, you got to be comfortable in your relationship our Lord and Savior. You got to be concretive. You got to know that you know that you know. You got to be concretive not only in your relationship, but you got to be able to recognize him when you see him. You got to recognize his presence. And the Bible says, and they cried out for fear. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, verse 28, answered him saying, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water because I know Jesus, this, this, this God, you know, if it's you, you can let me do what you're doing. Because I, want, I got news for you today. God wants to lead you where you've never been before. And on this side of glory, we're so used to our roadmaps. But sometimes when you're walking with God, you got to put away your roadmap and pull your compass out because God will lead you into uncharted territory. Uncharted territory means there's no road map for it, but a compass. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. Amen, somebody. Verse 29, so Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. You can be seated. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your anointing that breaks yokes. Pray, God, as your word says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. You are my strength and you are my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to encourage us today in simple terms. Listen. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through, but I just got three simple words for you. Jesus got this. Jesus got this. My role today is to help us somewhat shift the dynamics of, of how we see things in life. What you may be dealing with in your life. We've all heard the proverbial statement before that you're either in, out, or going into. Life's troubles, life's storms, whatever it may be. Praise God for whatever phase you're at. You're either in, out, or you're getting ready to go into one. I preached a message about three years ago about the Israelites passing through the wilderness on their way to the land of Canaan. 
And I remember saying in that message that we endure wilderness seasons for preparation. Most of the time, before we enter into a season of promised land, we have to be dropped in a place of wilderness so that we can recognize who gave us what we got. So that we can't forget that only Jesus, only God could have did what, we, what he's done in our lives. So the wilderness season is a season where you're in between shifts. You're out of the old, but not quite in the new yet. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're out of Egypt, but not quite yet in Canaan land. Not as bad as it used to be, but not as good as it's going to be. You see glimpses of your future, but you still see evidence of your past at the same time. It is a transitional season when you're dropped in a place called the wilderness. Well, this principle that we're going to pull from the text today, I believe, will help us. It will bless us. And I believe that it's going to bless us for the rest of our lives if we take it, if we apply it. I remember God gave me a principle early in my Christian walk. I was young. I was reading the word, and something just jumped off the pages of the scriptures to me. And it was in John's gospel, chapter 4, verse 4. And it, it was simple words. And it said, he must needs go through Samaria, referring to Christ. And God really just, just gave that to me at a season in my life where I was dealing with something that I didn't want to be dealing with. But God said, Terrence must needs go through this. Because when you understand the, the text, and for the sake of brevity, when you understand the text, Jesus already thinking ahead, knew that there was a woman at the well that he had to go minister to. Jesus said, where's your husband? And she said, yeah, you don't have one, because she had been through husband number one, two, three, four, five, six. Anybody got them beat in the house? I'm just joking. Don't you dare answer that. But boy, she ran across man number seven. Ooh, she ran into Jesus, amen. And Jesus is completion, amen. Jesus will complete you no matter where you're at in life, amen. And so Jesus must need go through Samaria. Sometimes you must need go down a road that you don't want to go down, but God will allow it to happen in your life for transformation to take place. I'm going to talk about transformation here in a little bit, but Jesus will allow you, and I am definitely not ignoring anyone's feelings today. I'm not telling you to make light of what you're dealing with in life because for the simple fact, we are emotional beings. Don't you dare miss that. We are emotional beings. We are spirit, soul, body. We are trichotomy broken down into three parts where it involves our intellect, it involves our emotions, it involves our will. And so sometimes when you ask people how they're doing, you forget about the emotional side of them because we love telling folks physically how I'm doing. But how are you doing in that part of you where can't nobody see? That's where God wants to get to. I'm not telling you to be superficial. I'm not telling you to be fake, phony. At any facet in your life, nah, but as life happens and as Time transpires, listen to me, in the midst of it, God began to show me that if we can just shift our minds a little bit and add praise anyhow to our attitude, amen, that no matter where I find myself, I'm going to thank Jesus anyhow. It will begin to shift the dynamics of whatever you may be going through. That's why one songwriter over 20-something years ago wrote a song that said, I will praise you in this storm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, the Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, that the righteous run to it and are safe. 
When you run into the name of Jesus, it is something amazing about being in the midst of troubled waters. And after we tried everything else and it has failed us, it's something powerful about turning your attention to Jesus. And allowing Jesus to begin to process you. Allow me to give you a disclaimer from the jump of this message. I think this is so crucial and it's so important, especially where we live and and our culture and the way we think. In order for you to fully get what I'm talking about today, my disclaimer is you got to fully live right. I have any witnesses in the house today. I got one person that said, that's right. You got to fully live right. Not talking about the things that you created for yourself. Sometimes we're like Jonah. We got self-inflicted storms. I'm not talking about those. Jonah chose to rebel against the word of God, and God created a great big fish. I'm not talking about the great big fish in the belly of the whale that you're the belly of the fish that you're in right now. I'm talking about, amen, life situations that God allows because we serve a holy God. He's a righteous God, and he wants us striving to be just like him. One of the things that I've noticed, I'm tired of in this 21st century Christianity, generations of people fooled by the enemy that they're okay with God. Living any old kind of way, but I'm okay with God. Doing any old kind of thing, but I'm okay with God. No, you're not. He's a holy, he's a righteous God. He said, I want you to be holy. Like I said, I'm not telling you you're going to be perfect, but boy, you need to be striving to be perfect. Listen to me, don't you get it twisted. I'm not preaching to you that you're going to be perfect, but I'm telling you, you need to strive. You need to strive for the perfection of God. I know, I don't, I, I, I don't know about everybody in this place, but as for me, I know as of April 17th of 1994, my life was never the same again. It's the day that I surrendered my heart to Christ. And as for me, I can unashamedly say that I am all Christian. I love Jesus. He got a hold of me, and I am definitely not, not perfect, but what I've learned to do and what I will not do is live my life making excuses. We live in this excuse generation. Amen. But when I do fall short, I keep in the back of my mind that I'm not there yet, and I got to make it all the way through God's alphabetical lessons. And I may be at B, C, L, M, N, O, P, and God got to get me to Z. And the truth of the matter is the cycle repeats itself all throughout your life. You're ever evolving, ever learning, ever growing. That's the God that we serve. The main thing is in life lessons, when you go through, do you come out changed? Do you come out different? Because if you don't, you're going to repeat it all over again. And I've discovered, church, that we are works in progress. Bible says in Philippians 1 and 6, he who begun a good work shall complete it. He will carry it on to completion. But will you let him process you is the question today. I am a work in progress. You are a work in progress. You ever go to a website and it says under construction? Sometimes our lives are under construction. Sometimes it's not healthy for me to be around people because God is doing something in me and I don't need anybody around me trying to persuade me. Y'all better hear me in this place today. Sometimes you just need to be with you and God. 
Say, God, I'm ruling out all voices. I just want to hear from you, and I need you to transform my mind. I told you we're going to talk about transformation in a moment, but, but sometimes we're in seasons where our lives are being transformed. That word transformed in the Greek is metamorpho, which gives us our word metamorphosis. So I may be a caterpillar, but when I go in the cocoon, I come out a monarch butterfly. May go in that, that thing as a tadpole, but when I come out, I come out something else. Amen, somebody. God wants us to go through the metamorphosis of, of, of spiritual growth. That what I used to be, I don't look like that no more. Any witnesses in the house today, amen. Anybody that say, boy, I know what I used to do, but thank God, that's not me anymore. Hallelujah. I'm not telling you that every time I see you, you're supposed to be under construction because that's some folks you see, yeah, yeah God's still working on me. Be like, my God, how long this season going to last? Amen. You working on you five years ago, girl. <laughs> nah, because if that's the case, then there's something wrong with you. Amen. Under construction, supposed to be for a quick, short season, quick fix, updates, so that God can get in you what he wants to get in you and bam, put you back on the scene again so that you can continue to do the work of the kingdom. Paul said it this way, not as though I've already attained or I'm already being made perfect, but I press toward the mark of the high call. One songwriter said it this way, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. Jesus was the God man and he exemplified before you and me, amen, how we're going to be able to make it in this life. And so you... You, you, you need to know the day that, watch this, I, you, we are 100% saved, but at the same time, my God, I've discovered that I, you, we are still 100% flesh. Don't let nobody fool you. Watch this, learning. I've been learning to live right for the past 29 years of my life. Yes, I still got to fight my flesh daily. Paul said it that way. He said, I, I discipline my body daily. You better discipline your body daily. Amen. When that enemy comes whispering in your ears, you got to learn how to warfare with that thing. Amen. Devil, that's your thought. That ain't my thought. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm, ta I'm talking to somebody in this room today. I've had to go through that over and over and over and over and over again, and I still have to do it daily in my life. Oh, y'all all sanctimonious and holy. Please forgive me and please pray for your boy because sometimes I find myself waging some wars, and I'm like, Lord, why do I still think this way? And God say, because you still tied to that flesh body. And the only thing that's going to stop you from thinking that way is when you cross over and go to glory. Amen, somebody. And I ain't quite ready to go yet, so pray for your boy. Amen. April 94, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I stopped most of the sins that I had issues with. But you see, the problem is we're in constant spiritual warfare as Christians, so the enemy of our faith keeps attacking and keeps attacking and will continue. And so, yes, I'm saved, and yes, I love Jesus, but I hadn't forgotten where I came from. Don't let nobody fool you. Sin was fun when I was doing it. See, y'all got quiet on me on that note. Woo, don't talk about that, preacher. Yeah, as long as you were doing it when you was a sinner, it was fun. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, hallelujah, somebody. What he wants to do is renew your mind daily. I must be renewed in my mind in order to keep shedding off the old me. 
so that I don't let that old me who went dormant 29 years ago rise back up again. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm fighting spiritual warfare daily in my lives as Christians. I know that every Christian at some point or another is fighting spiritual warfare daily in their lives. And, and, and I, I'm telling you, I, I, I remember, I know we would, the genres of music and all that may be different for every culture and everybody, but I remember 1982, Grandmaster Flash wrote a song that said, Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. Somebody know what I'm talking about over here. I heard y'all. I'm trying not to lose my head. (laughs) 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 Okay, young people, young people, y'all ain't getting that. Okay, y'all don't know nostalgic music. Okay, DMX said, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here. Yeah, yeah, see that? I got everybody on that one. All right. It's that flesh. <laughs> My God, the Bible says in the last days, men will become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. My goodness. And watch this. Many people, watch this, it says, many people will have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Watch this, that simply means operate under religious camouflage. Having an external display of religious devotion but the power of God cannot operate through you. Religion without God's presence. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. I seek and desire to be filled. I seek and desire to have the presence of God strong in my life. Amen. I need Jesus. How about you in this room today? I need Jesus. How about you online today? I need the presence of God in my life. I don't want to form. I don't want to be hypocritical in my walk, in my talk. Amen. Religion without the presence of God. And we live in the South, and the assumed depiction is that everybody in the South is saved, and that is far from the truth. God wants to save. God will save. As a matter of fact, the Bible said it's not his will that anybody should perish. Problem is, we're too busy trying to live out our own versions of salvation. Ooh, y'all quiet. Let me say that again. Jesus wants to save, will save, and he, he said it's not his will that anybody should perish, but the problem is we're too busy trying to live out our own versions of my salvation, not his salvation. So this is my salvation, okay? So I'm going to accept this part, but I'm going to do my part over here. And that's not Christianity at all. Amen. I remember one, one famous song in one genre of gospel music. Mary Mary wrote a song that said, I got to get myself together because I got somewhere to go. And, and boy, we used to jam that thing. And it'll have you moving like, yeah. And by all means, it was inspiring. It was motivational. But the more I thought about the song, the theology of the song had a misdiagnosis because saints of God, I can't get myself together. I got to turn myself to the one who can get me together. Only Jesus can get me together. Amen. (sighs) Truth of the matter is, we're all at different facets of life. We're not all at the same place. Some are saved. I said this before. Some Some are carnal. Some are spiritual. Some are carnal. Some are saved. Some are not. Some are loving. Some are hateful. Some are weak. Some are strong. Some are winning. Some are struggling. But no matter where you find yourself at, My job today, I have an assignment on my life to preach Jesus to us. 
And no matter what your situation is, you need to know today that Jesus will strengthen you. Jesus will, come on somebody, comfort you. Jesus will help you. Jesus will save you in the midst of life. In everything that life can throw at you, Jesus can fix it. Jesus can help you. They, they used to sing a song in my, my home church. We, 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 you know, my, my pastor was quite like Pastor Chris, and, and my pastor was a singing preacher, and boy, he used to love getting up, bringing some of those old Pentecostal songs that they used to sing, in the, and, and they used to sing this song, and it came to me not too long ago. I, was, I ain't sung this song in about, probably 20 years, and I was just walking about not too long ago, and this song just popped in my head. This song said, God has a way, and it was interactive. He said, God has a way, and they would say, the change said, God has a way. That's mighty sweet. That's my. You can lay your burdens down at his feet. He knows the road. He will carry your load. God has a way. And then the Hammond organ started roaring. And by this time, we slanking babies, hanging off chandeliers. Everybody huckabucking, going crazy in Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody. But the truth of the matter is, our God has a way that's mighty sweet. You can try it your way all you want to, but I'd rather try it Jesus' way because his way is mighty sweet. Amen. See, you don't just get saved and bam, you're perfect. No, you got to go through his process of sanctification so that every day, every week, every month, every year, hang around right people. Amen. There's a shedding off of the old you, and the miracle of salvation is, 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 is the miracle is when I know you used to have a problem with something that you don't do anymore. Any witnesses in the house today? Can I talk real? Boy, you used to fornicate at the drop of a hat, but now, no. I'm sanctified. I'm holy now. Amen. I, I, I don't have that mindset no more. I believe in abstinence. We don't preach that stuff no more. Amen. I, I'm, just, I'm just preaching real because I, I, I sense we got to start going back to the basics of Christianity. My wife and some of her friends, her sisters, they made a pact with each other when they were kids. We were going to keep ourselves till we get married. And everybody else failed, but my wife, she kept herself. We got to start preaching that to these young kids today. Keep yourself until you get married. And don't just marry anybody. Make sure you pray and ask God. Stand up, baby. Let them see you. They know who you are, but stand up. Let them see you. She waving at y'all. That, that, that was my virgin right there. Amen, somebody. Better go back to the, text, the, the Old Testament scriptures. I had proof. Amen. That's all I'm going to say on that. Like Forrest Gump said, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> you know, you used to cuss up a sailor, but somebody tick you off, you going to Scooby-Doo and you too, amen. But now due to the transformation that God has done in your life, you don't do that no more. 
Don't talk like that no more. I want to suggest to you that you capitalize on all the things you've been through in your life, all the stuff, all the stress, all the mess that you've been through. Make something out of it. Make ministry flow from it. Don't just go through something. Do something about what you've gone through and tell somebody. Testify. Come on, somebody. Because in our text today, it talks about Peter. <laughs> well, the text technically talks about all 12 disciples, but Peter in particular is the one that I'm picking out today. And Peter was one of those ones who had to go through Christ's conversion because Peter was, was, was one of those ones who had to go through the school of hard knocks. Peter was rough around the edges, if we may say. Boy, was quick to fight somebody in a heartbeat. Boy, Peter's the kind of dude I like, though, you know what I'm saying? If I ever got into it with somebody, I need somebody that's ready to jump. Sometimes Peter was immature in his jumping. Peter was quick to cutting folk ears off. <laughs> Peter, Peter was quick to cussing folk out. It's, it's in your Bible. Amen, somebody. Remind you of some folks you know right now, right? Please don't look to your left or to your right. I'm, I'm, I'm looking. Who's who, who, who sitting next? Oh, somebody was pointing. I saw you. I ain't even going to look your direction no more. <laughs> that was Peter. But you see, all this is about growing up. It's about maturing. It's about becoming what God wants you to be. So, in the prior text, in the same chapter of chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, the Bible tells us that after ministering, Spiritually and physically, Jesus fed them spiritually and, and physically. 5,000 men plus women and children could have been close to maybe 15,000 people out there. Jesus intentionally sends the disciples ahead while he sends the multitudes away because Jesus smelt like sheep. Jesus loves his flock. Jesus loves his children. Amen. Don't let nobody fool you. Amen. Jesus loves you. You need to go ahead and touch yourself now and say, Jesus loves me. The Bible says immediately the disciples moved from a scene of the miraculous provision of God to a terrifying encounter. <laughs> Yet don't you miss this. Notice that the circumstances that brought them fear fell under the Lord's sovereign control. I said the circumstances that brought them fear fell under the Lord's sovereign control. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. At verse 23, it says, after he sent the multitudes away, Jesus took some time alone for himself. Don't miss that. That's so important. That's so crucial to your Christian walk. Don't you dare forget about your intimacy with God. Don't you dare forget about your time in prayer, your time in fasting, your time in studying the scriptures. Come on, somebody, your time in worship. Don't you ever forget about these things because these are our weapons of mass destruction in the spirit realm. And we got to do these things daily. And I got news for you. These things are fuel for your journey. It is your undergirding. It is your foundation. And I preached this a long time ago. It's too many Christians trying to build spiritual skyscrapers on chicken coops. Your foundation is weak. And when the least little wind come along, you go flipping over. Amen. 
You ever seen somebody top heavy, their head just too big and they... <laughs> I'm talking about myself, okay? If I had shorts on, y'all see how my ankles are about this big, but my body goes like... Anybody else in here like me, amen? That's why, Jaron, I never forget leg day anymore, amen? <laughs> I'm in that gym like, boy, I got to put some beef on these things. Come on, somebody. Some of us are just too top-heavy. We, we too spirit. Come on, somebody. But we got to get the foundation right. Because it is strength for the days ahead of you. The Bible says you are reaping due season if you faint not. But the reason we faint is because the foundation is not strong. Touch somebody beside you and say, get your foundation strong. Get your foundation strong. Don't overlook that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. Watch this. They were in God's perfect will about to enter into a perfect storm. Indicating that obeying God, you better hear me in this way, indicating that obeying God can sometimes lead to rough sailing. Because if God allowed it in your life, then there's a purpose and there's a plan. If he allowed it, there's a purpose and there's a plan. Verses, verses 23 and 24, when the boat was far from shore, they were battered by the waves because the wind was against them, verse 24 in the text. But here's a good question for you. It is a sound question. I think it is a theological question, a good question. Where was Jesus? I reiterate it again. He'd gone up into the mountain by himself to pray. Verse 23. But though Jesus was absent from them, he was not unmindful of their needs. <laughs> Paul told the Roman church that Jesus, watch this, intercedes for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. So could it be while Jesus was alone praying, he was like, Lord, cover my... You know where they're at, Lord. Come on, somebody. Cover the disciples while they're out there. Come on, somebody. He's God. Come on. And most of the time, when we think that he's forgotten about us, the problem is we've forgotten that Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is our intercessor. Amen. Jesus' full-time job is serving as the intercessor between you and God. First Timothy 2 and 5, there's only one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, the Bible says. And he's the perfect one to do it because he's fully God and fully human at the same time. He understands God and he understands you. Verse 25 says, after Jesus had spent hours in prayer, Jesus comes to the disciples in the fourth watch of the night. That's between the hours of 3 and 6 a.m. And Jesus arises from his prayer time and says, let's see where my boy is at right now. See, the creator sees straight through creation, so he didn't have to hone trying to find them. He knew exactly where they were. I got to tell you this, fam. Jesus knows where you're at right now. I'm telling somebody, Jesus knows where you're at right now. Hallelujah, somebody. He's never taken his eyes off of you. He knows where you're at right now. And even though you may feel like you're all alone, I want you to know today that you're not. I love it because the scripture tells us that we serve a God that will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. 
The Bible says his eyes are in every place. He's an omniscient God. He knows all. He sees all. Don't you dare think that you are alone right now. Jesus says, where are my boys at? Oh, there they go. The creator looking through creation. There they go way across the sea. <sighs> I love this text. I love this text. Come on, somebody. Hmm. How am I going to get there? I guess I'll take a scroll in the park. Nah. I, I, I guess I'll take a scroll on the seashore. Nah. Jesus says, come on, somebody. It's right here in the Bible. There go my boys over there. I'm going to go walking on the sea. Because <laughs> I, 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 I got something for my boys. I, I got something for the disciples. And the Bible says, verses 25 through 27, that in the midst of the disciples' distress, watch this, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. He came to them in an unexpected way so they could understand and experience him like never before. He was ready for them to see him in a different light. And as he had previously done in chapter 8, verse 23 to 27, where he was in the hole of the ship asleep, and he stood up on the ledge of the boat and said, peace be still, and they saw him in a different light then, he was ready to take his relationship with them to another level. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus wanted to just demonstrate his divine authority over the world that he himself created. Now, I've discovered this, that sometimes in the midst of life storms, I've preached this before, that, that we can be rocked by storms outside that moves to storms of inner terror that leads to theological storms of questioning, is God even there? And, and the last one, the theological storm is the worst, because what do you do when your theology is challenged by your circumstances? I've been preaching and teaching this all my life, but now I'm being tested by what I've been preaching and teaching all my life. I've been standing on this principle out of the word all my life, but now I'm dealing with something that's going against what I've been preaching and teaching on all my life. Come on, somebody. What do you do? You've got to continue to stand on it. And here are the 12 disciples. Verse 24, water everywhere, wind blowing crazy, rocking and rolling, about to lose their minds. Come on, let's, let's jump ourselves into the text. If it was, it was 12 of us, come on. I just, in my imagination, I'm, I'm just, come on, can, let, me, let me invite y'all into my imagination just for a moment, okay? In my imagination, ah, we gon' drown! Ah, we can't make it through this! Peter! And the Bible says, here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus, family, at the right time. Never too late, but right on time. Jesus comes to them walking on the sea. Now they're already dealing with a physical storm, and they're screaming and hollering about this physical storm. Ah! A bunch of grown men, amen. But the Bible gives us insight to something else. Now, these dudes think they see a ghost, so they screaming even louder. Ah, it's a ghost! That, that, that's Terrence's imagination, okay. Now we're going to come out of my imagination and back to the normal. All right. Back to your regular broadcast. All right. 
The text records in verse 26 that the disciples screamed when they saw him and said, it's a ghost. They panicked, thinking Jesus was Casper. Catch this. Watch this. Don't miss this. He comforted them with his word. I'm telling somebody God's word is first. He comforted them with his word before he even addressed their circumstance. Chapter 14, verse 26 and 27 is right there in your Bible. Catch this. Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. Amen. And I praise it. Here's what's crazy. The thing that's driving them crazy. I love it. The thing that's driving them crazy, the wind, the water, waves. You know what Jesus did? Jesus comes walking on it. Sometimes I think we like to think that Jesus was like tightroping this thing, like, whoop, 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 here come a wave, whoop, whoop, here come another wave, whoop, whoop, whoop. No, 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 no. Jesus taking authority over this thing. (laughs) It's driving them crazy, but here comes Jesus, calm, cool, and collective. I got this. He comes to the disciples walking on the very thing that's driving them crazy. They're about to lose their minds, and here comes Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, walking on it. I don't know who I'm talking to in this place today. It may be driving you crazy. (laughs) But Jesus is walking on the very thing that's about to drive them crazy. Jesus takes authority over it. It's driving them crazy, but where is it at? It's under his feet. (laughs) Now, that's the kind of God that I need in my life. Amen. That when life is messing with me and when the winds are blowing and the storms are raging, I need a God that will walk on it and say, boy, I got this. Hallelujah, somebody. I had, a, I had my high praises t-shirt on in the gym the other day working out, and some dude talking about what that mean. I said, that means we in this together. He said, well, I don't believe in all that. He said, I'm, I'm more a Buddhist. I said, ooh. I said, you scare me. God used that t-shirt to let me witness. He said, I lean more toward Buddhism. Well, let me tell you what I believe. I believe that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. No man will come unto the Father except by him. That's what I believe, brother. And I said, I'm praying for you. Hallelujah, somebody, because I need a God that can carry me when life gets too rough. And Buddha, you got to pick Buddha up and carry him with you because Buddha can't carry you. Amen, somebody. But I got news for somebody in this room today. Jesus will pick you up right where you are. And he'll carry you. He'll carry you. Hallelujah, somebody. You better give him a praise in this room. He will carry you. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He will carry you. 
it's too hard for me, he's got this. When it's too hard for me, he's guarding me. When it's too hard for me, he's holding me. When it's too hard for me, he's protecting me. He's carrying me. He's got this. The battering waves were their problem. And that's exactly what Jesus walked on. Listen, brothers and sisters, it may be driving you crazy, but turn it over to Jesus. He knows how to handle your life situations. Somebody said a long time ago, while you're trying to figure it out, he's already worked it out. But why does Jesus show up at the darkest hour, you may ask? Because, listen, every storm is a teaching moment. Listen, if I got to go through it, then I might as well learn something from it and get something out of it and be better because of it. Let me say that again. If I got to go through it, I might as well learn something from it, get something out of it, and be better because of it. And sometimes when you don't hear or see God, he's trying to teach you to trust him when you can't touch him. So this is why God allows you to go through because you can only tell what you got and what you're made of when a storm beats against your foundation. When a storm beats against your foundation, if you've built upon what Paul said, wood, hay, stubble, it's going to get burned up, it's going to get tested, it's going to get pushed over, but if you build on precious jewels, Come on, somebody, gold, silver, it's going to get purified by what you go through. And then we get to verse 28. I love it as I get ready to come to a close because you can be close to God and still miss him. There were 12 disciples in the boat. They were all close to him. But Peter did what nobody else would. Hmm. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Everybody else boat thinking. I'm cool right here in the boat. Peter was thinking outside the boat. He says, command me to come because all I need is a word, God, and I will move. And in the origin of this text, Peter says, command me to come. Can I come? Bid me to come. But you see in the original language, verse 29, Jesus says, watch this. He says, I command you to come. I'm taking your request and I'm turning it into a demand. Peter not only wanted to be protected from the troubles that they were facing, but he wanted to experience something with Jesus that he had never dreamed possible. So Jesus invited Peter forward, and this bold disciple starts doing the same thing that Jesus did. He started walking on the water. Hallelujah. And he only lost focus when he took his attention from Jesus and started paying attention to the wind. However, he became afraid and he started to sink. And he cried out, and what did Jesus do? Jesus saved him again. And I love this text because in the text, the Bible says Jesus gives him a small rebuke. It doesn't say it, I'm just paraphrasing. Jesus gives him a small rebuke. Watch what the scripture says. It, look, look, it's, it's in the Bible, verse, verse 33. It's Jesus rebuked him. Watch this. Jesus did not rebuke him for having no faith. Jesus rebuked him for having little faith. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I'm here to tell you, you've come this far by faith. Amen. It's not that you don't have any faith, but what God is trying to do is take your faith to another level. Now, here it is. As I close today, why would Jesus intentionally let his followers go through such a fearful situation? Why? Look at what happened when Jesus saved them. Here's the power of the text. The Bible says at verse 33, the disciples worshiped him. I can stop right there. 
Why did they have to go through all of that? Verse 33, the disciples worshiped him and declared, truly, you are the son of God. Well, I thought we already knew that by now. Amen. But can you imagine in Peter's mind? I'm trying to jump into Peter's mind for a second and say, man, this dude was in the boat. He saw Jesus walking on water. He saw Jesus calm what they were in. He saw Jesus tell him to come and walk on the water. And now that everything is all good, can you imagine in Peter's mind? Man, he didn't let me experience something that ain't nobody. <laughs> Peter like, eh, eh, y'all didn't get to do this, but I did. I got to walk on water with Jesus. Amen, somebody. I already knew it, but I've discovered that with each, with, with, with each new encounter, Jesus increases their understanding and deepens their experience of him. And by God's grace, they have been given an opportunity through fearful circumstances to come to know Jesus at a deeper level and worship him. He is a sovereign God who exercises power over all things, and he wants you to discover in your life and in the midst of all the fears that you may face that he has sovereign authority over everything, and no matter what you're dealing with, he's got this. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Look at two or three people around you and tell them, Jesus got this. I said it at the beginning, I don't make light of anybody's circumstances, situations, because I know we are emotional beings. But I'm asking the prayer team to come. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with something that's just a little too hard for you right now. And you just need some strength. You, you need some encouragement. You, you, you need somebody to just come in agreement with you and and help you to see this in a different light that, that yeah, I agree, Pastor T, Jesus got this. Maybe there's a circumstance that's been just weighing you down, beating you down, constantly crashing against everything that you've been trying to accomplish in your life, but Jesus got this. First thing you got to do, here today and you're not saved, you need to give your life over to him. You, you need to know him as your personal Lord and your personal Savior so that when these kind of circumstances happen, you'll discover what a friend we have in Jesus. All my sins and griefs to bear. what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. I'm telling you something about having a strong relationship with our Lord. He will begin to strengthen you. He'll begin to comfort you in a way like never before as we stand on our feet today. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've backslidden and you find yourself at places where, as I talked earlier, come on. You're not what you should be right now spiritually. God wants to restore you. God wants to save you. If that's you today, right where you are, simply say, Father, I repent of my sins. 
I acknowledge that I am a sinner. And I confess you, Christ, as my Savior and as my Lord. And I ask you to come into my heart and create in me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. Make me new, God. If you've backslidden, come on, just tell them, restore me, God. I turn back to you. You're the only way. You're the only truth. You are life. You are everything I need. And, and I pray, God, that you, you save me and restore me, God. Hallelujah. God will begin to do that. But if you're in this room today and you're troubled by the storms that you've been going through, we're here to pray for you right now. Will you come all over this room? Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.